welcome to the Pursuit of Growth show. My name is Sammy Gonzalez, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Greg Brinkley. What's up, Greg? Man, I will tell you what's up, Sammy. I'm super excited to introduce our special guest, Jason Simmons. What's up, Jason? What's up, guys? Good to see you both. Man, super excited to have you here, and uh, I'm excited to read your bio. I always love this part of the introduction of our shows. Jason Simmons is the innovative entrepreneur behind Dead Soxie. Dead Soxie is a Dallas-based lifestyle brand that makes premium socks. In the last five years, they've sold over 800,000 pairs of socks and have been featured in GQ, Esquire, Men's Health, and Forbes as well as being named a top five startup in DFW three consecutive years and the number one startup in DFW in 2019. And if that's not enough, Jason is passionate about design, technology, style, music, and of course, developing products that people love to wear. That's a pretty awesome biography, man. Well, Thanks, I, man. I think the one thing that it's missing though is that it doesn't say that like I personally love these socks as well. Um, they are damn comfortable uh, and they stay up and that's the most important part, right? So I'm sure we'll get to that little bit of technology there there too. I'm sure we'll find our way around to it, definitely. Well, Jason, I think the first question we want to start off with is okay. tell us what made you decide to go out on your own and okay. start Dead Soxy. Okay, um, let me give you a little context, all right, because context matters in this story. Um, I'm from a small farm town in Mississippi, uh, literally the opposite side of the world when it comes to style and fashion. So this is a dramatic shift from everything I grew up thinking and doing. Uh, I mean, a real farm too, like had chickens in the backyard and uh, went out and got eggs in the morning to make and, you know, kind of the whole nine. Um, all right, so like most most kids stories uh you know you get out of college and you pursue a job in the real world and you kind of don't know what you're going to do right you're like oh well i went to school for this thing and i'm going to pursue this channel but you don't know if you're going to love it or not um i took the first job that was offered to me um and i'm so glad i did man i stayed there nine years we accomplished some great things and the truth is is that i really liked that job um and you know we did some really good stuff while we were there. Um, nine years, I became a VP of sales, got promoted a few times, still got some plaques on the wall. Um, eventually got promoted to partner. I was the youngest partner in company history. Um, still today, uh, the only partner that's ever made partner and then left the company. They all are still there because it's a quite a nice life when you get to that point. Which other um, company was it? It was a consulting firm called Quest Pro Consultants. Uh, okay. Very, very niche firm. We work with... Uh, with big property and casualty insurance companies. Yeah. Um, but that actually, that's kind of the nugget that drove me over the edge because I just didn't love insurance. I just couldn't get passionate about insurance. Once you, you know, 10 years and I never wanted to be in insurance, once you kind of know everything, it doesn't change that much. It doesn't evolve that much. And I really needed something to kind of keep, keep me interested and keep me hungry. Um, anyway, so going back to, to answering your question about year seven, um, after I had, you know, built a nice little nest egg for myself and, um, it, 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 the thing that that, you know, financial 
success allows you to do. It allows you to dream a little bit and kind of pursue these other passions. When you get out of survival mode and thinking about living paycheck to paycheck and and that worry that comes along with that, you know, your your whole world tends to expand. And um, around year seven, I allowed myself to kind of start to think creatively and like explore this part of myself. Because as you might imagine, on the farm as a kid, we didn't get that chance, man. It was rub some dirt on it and get your aspect to work. That's what you do, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, from 15 years old on, I was on a tractor the first day after high school ended. And all the way up until, you know, I, I mean, during the summer and then all the way up until the day before it started, it was like dawn to dust tractor time. I just didn't get the opportunity to be creative. Um, okay. So around year seven as a consultant, um, I started thinking about music and I know we probably want to cover this later and like, uh, but that was my first venture into wanting to be creative. I thought, Hey, I, you know, I love music and it makes me really feel something. Um, so why not try to pursue this, you know? Um, so I did, and I hired, uh, I wanted to be a producer. I never really wanted to be an artist. Didn't want to play in front of people. I just wanted to make beats. That's what was really my, my passion at that point. Um, so I hired two or three people to teach me. I took lessons every Sunday for two and a half years. Wow. And then eventually realized like, no hey, this is, this is not my language, all right? <laughs> so the, I, I'm a good fan, but maybe we just kill it right there. All right, and so right at the end of this, I started uh, designing a pair of pajama pants. So for me, it didn't start with socks. Um, okay. It started with a pair of pajama pants for guys. Still, pajama pants still hadn't had their day yet. I plan on ushering that in at some point. Um, now, are you talking the, about like pajama pants, like like old school go to sleep in pants? Or are you talking yes. about like the MC Hammer pants? That are, uh, not, or, not, not ready to bring the 80s back quite yet. Like okay. actual, <laughs> actual pajama pants that you go to sleep in. Nice. Um, and so I had never been a big pajama pant fan and I just kind of went through this thing. I was like, okay, well, what type of pant would I wear? This is where I started. Okay, guys. So like, it's not incredibly like I wasn't very good at it at this point, now, this is but great. I did, I did look up, you know, 18 months later and I had a full-time job after a full-time job just because mm -hmm. I was so interested. And when I started to really think about that, you know, I knew pajama pants is not where I wanted to start. All right. But I was so interested in learning all of this new material and learning how to put colors together and just thinking creatively for the first time in my life and really putting some horsepower behind that. How um, old were you then at this point? I was uh, 29, 20, 28. Okay. 28 is when it really started to, my whole mental perspective shifted around that time. Yeah, well, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll dig into that some too. Yeah. But, oh, okay. So sorry. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question real quick. So this is great. Um, Keep rolling. Uh, so started with pajama pants. Looked up 18 months later and was just working my tail off after work every single day. Right. It was like a full time job after a full time job. Um, and then I I realized pajama pants weren't probably the avenue to take forward. So I just kind of looked at myself and I was like, okay, you know, uh, what I wear every day because as a consultant, we traveled a ton. All right. So I was just kind of evaluating how I would pack my suitcase and whether I'm happy with this thing that I'm packing or whether I'm not. Right. And so that awareness period took a period of time. And then I realized like socks were, there was a lot left to be desired in the experience of wearing a sock. Um, and so then I started to have conversations with people and realized that, you know, a lot of people were kind of let down by the whole experience. And it baffled me why people were paying $20 for cool socks or even more 
uh, for cool socks that didn't meet your minimum standard of expectation for the product. Um, and so then I became aware and it became really a big problem. Once I became aware, I noticed it every day, all the time. And it became like this big thing. And that voice got louder and louder and louder to go solve this problem. All right. And so that's kind of the genesis of how I became aware of the problem and then decided I'm going to go do something about this problem. Hmm. Um, it's, it was just, it's really born out of my own personal frustration with the product and hmm. that it, somebody needed to do something about it. And it sounds like that, just that curious nature that probably made you the, you know, the partner and, and having that curiosity and solving those problems and seeing that problem to like really dig into. Right. I'm sure. I mean, that's why, that's why that curiosity started to build and grow because you started to get deeper and deeper and deeper right. into it. But it seems like you've always kind of had that creative bone in your body, but I, I have to ask, yeah. Why pajama pants first? Like what was the avenue to the pajama pant? Um, man, I felt inspired because I had an idea. All right. And okay. then I couldn't go make that idea. So I had to learn a tremendous amount just to take that first step. Okay. Um, and so I was just following my inspiration. I was like, Hey, this would be cool. And then I was like, Oh God, I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to buy fabric. I've never been to Joanne's before, you know, mm -hmm. all of these obstacles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, there's no great answer on why pajama pants. That's just where I felt that spark. Yeah, I think I, I for some reason in, in the past, I don't know, three or four Christmases, I probably received like six pairs of pajama pants. And I'm like, why do, I was like, why do I have so many pajama pants? So it's pretty interesting <laughs> that, that uh, you started off that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It gives me a little bit of a laugh, but I, I really do plan on making them at some point because honestly, what I wound up designing after i mean i actually still play with it a little bit to be honest but uh what what it's it needs to exist it, it has to come out at some point i'm pretty <laughs> proud of it you know I'm, I'm i may be uh i don't know if i'm unique or not but even in the summertime i always wear some type of light pant when i sleep that's just it's just for some reason and, and i always drop the temperature down just like mm -hmm. super 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 cold but that's just always what i've done so uh man when the dead soxy pajama pant comes out <laughs> There we go. I'm in 100%. So <laughs> excellent. So you've got this idea, you've recognized there's, there's a need, there's a problem. And I think that's where, you know, you talk to so many great entrepreneurs or just small business owners, they'll say they recognize there was a need or there was a problem and I wanted to solve it. Right. So you've seen, and you've understood that there's some issues with people not being satisfied with, with, you know, their socks, whether it's dress socks or casual wear, whatever it might be. What was the next step for you to say, okay, is there a company here? Right. And how did you go about those steps to, to getting to where you were like, I'm going to go all in on a right. designer sock company and ultimately make that my full-time job? I know it sounds crazy when you say it like that. And trust me, I got a <laughs> tremendous amount of laughs and giggles and advice not to do it and called crazy in the whole nine. Um, but I knew that there was something there. Um, and it, it, it really stemmed from just my own passion to learn about this. And even if socks weren't the thing, I knew after my foyer into design and working with pattern makers and sourcing yarn that that's where I need to spend my time. So even if it wouldn't have been socks, and I'm so glad that it is because we really did solve some big problems and I'm sure we'll get into it, but we found some patents and things like that. But um, all right, so the next step that I took, um, it's really, it draws on my consulting background. All right, I'm an analytics guy, I'm a metrics guy, um, I'm a numbers guy. And um, 
So what I did is after I kind of mini validated uh, my thinking of, uh, of the problem that I assumed that people were having after I got that validation back and kind of a mini format of asking them like, hey, is you having this problem too? Um, and they would agree mo almost all the time. Um, then I kind of went macro with it. And um, it, this is pretty cool. And I, I hope your, you, your listeners take, take something away from this because this is a really powerful way to approach research. Um, Amazon, all right? A lot of our competitors at, at that time were selling their products on Amazon. And so what I did for a while is I just went on there and I looked at reviews one by one by one. I sorted by three stars and below because I don't want to care about the good ones. You know, I only care about the problems that people are having. And so I went by enough reviews. I, I probably went by a few hundred, went through a few hundred. And I noticed people talking about socks sliding down or slipping off or peeling up quite a bit, actually. And so then I, I kind of did some digging and like kind of growth hacked my way into scraping all of the reviews for hundreds of our competitors. There was thousands, probably a hundred thousand reviews in this Excel document that we wow. scraped. And then I wrote a little script um, that basically searched that Excel document for any syntax of the word sliding down or slipping off or peeling off or anything like that that would be related to the problem that we're trying to solve. And the results were astonishing. Over 50% of negative reviews had some mention of sliding down, slipping off, or peeling off. Wow. These are direct dress sock and no-show competitors, okay? So it's not every single sock. Um, but that was the aha moment, all right? And so once I was armed with that knowledge, there was nobody that was not going to tell me that I should go pursue this because the world's ready for this solution. There are tons of companies already marketing this solution, but unbased marketing, they're just trying to get your attention with it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I put some time into this and ask the world to help me solve this problem, uh, that we would probably figure it out. Now, you know, looking back on it, I did not think it would take me three and a half years to solve this problem. Um, but you know, I, I'm happy now to say that that we did solve it, and we actually that actually has led to inventions and two, and two patents, which is pretty cool. And so, tell us about that. I, I want to hear the stories. I, I know what they are, but I want the listeners to to know what those patents are. Right, right, right. Or so whatever have, you can tell, right? It's a secret. Yeah, patent, no. Right? Well, we we actually have the patents now, um, nice. so we're fully protected. You know, Google uh, patent number the the whole nine. Um, so basically, our approach was okay. How can we solve this? The, problem of dress socks sliding down your leg. So we tried everything under the sun. We tried different uh, knitting techniques with yarn. We tried adding length to the sock. We tried putting uh, rows of uh, more elasticity and less elasticity to, to try to um, spread out um, the, the circumference of the elastic on your leg. Um, none of it, it all kind of worked, but it didn't really solve the problem. Uh, and so kind of the genesis of this idea uh, came from somebody in Dead Soxy's community. So we've always make it, made it pretty known that, you know, we're product people. We're not great designers. I'm working on it, you know, but I do not yet consider myself a designer. I am, however, a tinkerer and a product person. I play with socks. I go, you know, go to sleep sometimes with them inside out on my hands just because I'm weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we've always taken that approach and kind of pulled our community and our audience with us, whether they wanted to come or not. We're just steadily telling the story, right? And we sent out a survey email that asked five questions. And the first one was like, it was bold. And it was like, this is what we're trying to accomplish. If you have any ideas, feel free to write us. All right. So sent that email out and 45 days later, 
a rant, at this point, we only had a few hundred people in our community. So it's not a massive reach, right? But 45 days later, this guy opens the email for the first time and just writes us back a five word sentence, basically said, hey, have you ever thought about doing what this company does in their pants? And they have silicone on the inside of their um, like the waistband mm -hmm. of their pants. So your shirt doesn't come untucked. Yeah. Well, I'd never yeah, seen this yeah. before. I'd never seen it before at this point. And I was like, oh my God, that might be it, you know? Um, so that's kind of the genesis of it. And that, and that led, now there's a lot more to it than just putting silicone on it. Now, what we right. do, that's where it started for us. But now what we do is we basically put um, a vat of silicone. All right. So as the sock is being produced on the machine, right at the very end, we have a vat of silicone and we run the yarn through it. Um, it goes through a heater, an oven, and then it goes directly onto the sock. So the silicone now is ingrained in the yarn and like it, it just, it's just actually what you want versus what my vision was, but that's kind of the evolution of it. And um, that's kind of how it started and actually what the patent is. So you pull it up your leg, the dress socks stay put, doesn't pull your leg hair, doesn't leave indentions in your leg. You don't even notice it. It kind of disappears, um, but it, it just stays where you want them, which is the, the coolest thing ever. That's Where did the name come from? Um, man, I wish I could take credit for it. Uh, I can't. And um, my, one of my business partners, so I, I started Dead Soxy with my two business partners and I've since bought them out, which is really early on. A um, little bit of a horror story there, which we can cover later. But, uh, <laughs> but we used to all say this nope. as, a, as a group. And so if somebody would walk in uh, when Dead Soxy was way conceptual, right? So we were all in this kind of cool sock wearing, we thought we were cool thing, you know? Uh, we thought socks made it cool. Uh, and we just, that was just a, uh, a saying that we had. And uh, when we came up with the concept and like, okay, are we really gonna do this? Um, we had like three brainstorming meetings to try to come up with names. And um, the stuff that came out of those meetings was awful, okay? It was terrible. And on the third one, uh, my buddy walked in and, and my other buddy made that comment to him and we all just kind of stopped and we were like, that's it. You know, what, what are we doing here? That's it. Let's go get some wine and celebrate, you know? So that's what we did. Um, that's usually how it goes though. You know, like the more intentional you are when, when trying to come up with a name or, you know, the more you're like heavier into it, it seems like that inspiration is just fleeting. You know, it, it's right. like when you're just loose and hanging out and, maybe after a couple of glasses of wine, like you mentioned, like right. you're on the right. roll, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, what, when we were writing the book, the, the pursuit of growth, that's, I know there was a couple of times where Greg and I were just having some brainstorms and, and I know that we had to pop a cork or two and just kind of get things flowing and just talk it all out before we had that aha moment. And I think it's good to hear right. that other people have that as well. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Creativity is, um, is elusive sometimes, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and certainly when you sit down and you try to be creative, uh, boy, that that's, I find that very difficult. Yeah. You know, Jason, I would, if I, I don't have a, a statistic or a metric to judge this, but I would guess if you took the average person in a bar, they typically talk about sports. They probably mm -hmm. talk about uh, politics, world yep. events, relationships, and starting their own business doing blank. Right? right. Everyone right. has their dream about starting their own business. Right. And one of the reasons why I think Sammy and I are both so excited about this conversation we're having right now is really hearing from somebody that's done it. Right. Right. And, and we read your bio. You've been very successful with it. 
but that does not mean that you haven't had to face and overcome and still face right. tons of challenges and trials. Can you share just a few of the challenges that you faced in the beginning mm-hmm. um, and, and, and really kind of how you, how you used grit or fortitude or, or growth, whatever it might be, to kind of push through and, and keep going to where you are here today? Oh, man. Um, yeah. The, the first three years for us were very, very turbulent. Um, eight months into the business, uh, first of all, I'm a product guy. So the product responsibility for the whole company, which is actually our identity today, fell to me for two and a half years before we even sold our first sock. So I was the one obsessed with it. I was the one spending my time working 18 hour days and then sleeping six and going to do two jobs. Um, So that was always what drove me in the business, right? But so then we come to launch and eight months into the business, um, anytime you start to bring money into the equation, like things get weird. And, um, you know, I started this business with my two best friends and unfortunately we hadn't spoken in years. So that'll give you some idea of how turbulent it really was. Um, but eight months in, you know, I realized that these weren't the guys that I wanted to go into business with anymore. It just, our work, work ethics were very different. The way we thought about what we were trying to do were very different. Um, so I began to have this conversation. Okay. So we're eight months into the business. We probably sold. 1200 pairs, like almost nothing. If that, we probably even gave most of those away. And honestly, so I begin to have this conversation. It was not received well at all, um, which led to basically a nine or 10 month stalemate of us trying to figure out who's going to buy each other out and all this jazz. Um, the moment that we got that figured out uh, on a Thursday, so I signed the papers on, uh, on a Monday. I don't get in our bank account every day. I sign the papers on a Monday. I probably should do it more often than I do. But I got in our bank account on Thursday and realized that my business partner and now ex-business partner uh, up until Monday had pulled every dollar we had in the company out. We had nine cents in our bank account on Thursday. All right. So it was complete scramble mode for me. Um, And to be honest, we probably shouldn't have made it. Um, And I immediately then went and raised money, uh, pitched people that I'd never met before on my concept that was super loose. And even the conversation that's, that I, were ha- I was having, they were like, well, tell me about your business partners. You know, I'm like, oh God, you know, this yeah. is, it's over now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I finally talked some people into kind of believing in what I was trying to do here. Um, and they put a little money in the company um, I gave my attorney uh, an equity stake in the business up front because we needed a lot more legal work than we had funds to pay for, uh, which honestly turned it out to be a genius move. On my part, we probably saved $200,000 in legal fees by giving wow. him an equity stake in the business up front. Um, and then, okay, so all of that on the business side uh, was enough to make anybody cave. Um, certainly, I almost did. Uh, on top of that, I had just resigned from uh, the consulting firm, just found out that I was having a son uh, <laughs> after I resigned, you know, so it's like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, can I have my job back? You know, that's yeah. kind of where I was mentally. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, thankfully I chose to, to continue and, and, uh, and, and push hard and try to figure it out. But man, overcoming all of that, it, it took us basically three and a half years before we were even a legit business at all. Hmm. And so to, to navigate that was, was quite difficult. 
you know, business it just in itself is scary, right? You know, from a from a standpoint of challenges and obstacles, and I mean highs and lows, like anything right. you can have. So, um, we really want to dig in a little bit to your personal mindset on business and, and how you overcome that voice that you have inside your head that would say that maybe sometimes tells you you, you can't or mm-hmm. it's not going to happen, or you know, it's like uh, we're not going to be able to do this. Like, what is it about? your drive or your mindset that helps you get past those hurdles? Man, I don't, um, I don't know that I have a little voice that tells me that I can't. Um, I am a little bit different than that. I actually think I can. Hmm. Um, I, I'm, uh, and I know this is weird, but this comes back to growing up on the farm as a kid. And is you it know, rub work, some dirt on it and get your ass back to work? That's it. That's the yeah. mentality. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but look, here's what happens on a farm. Okay. You work with your hands and you're completing task after task after task. And of course you miss some, right? But eventually you're going to plant the seed. You're going to put fertilizer on it. You're going to clean the field out and you're going to come back and harvest it. So you get to see this whole life cycle over and over and over again. And I just felt like that was enough training for me to believe that I can go and do some pretty, pretty cool things in the world. And then starting out as a, at the consulting firm and then having the success that I had early on, it only validated what I already knew. And that is just that if I outwork people, that's good. That's a good recipe for winning straight up. I mean, if, if you, if every time I step into a room, I'm highly competitive too, by the way, like I, (laughs) and I'm a good loser, but I try my best to win at everything I do. All right. So like when I walk into a room, certainly walking into a room and getting hired with a group of people, because that's what I was hired at, at the consulting firm with a large group. My mentality was they've never worked like I've worked. Mm-hmm. Never. They've never been on a tractor from before the sun comes up and you don't get off until it goes down. That's always been my ace in the hole, man. And I just believe that like if you outwork people and you're passionate about it, that's that's the magic. Dude, I don't know about you, Sammy, but I'm like fired up right now. Like I, I am gonna, too. I'm gonna like, turn this off. And I'm gonna get back to work. Like, I freaking love it, man. You know, your mindset really shows because I mean, we've known each other for a while now. We've worked on some projects too, and right. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I, if we were working on a concept or whatever it may be, that I didn't think I could text you or or message you because I know you're going to be grinding away as right. well. Like, and, and that's the thing that really charges me up is because. I've always kind of had that same mentality. I know Greg has too, is like, I may not be the smartest in the room. It's like, right. but you're not going to outwork me. It's like, I will go and go and right. go. And, and I will do it until the day that I drop. Because at the end, right. of, when it's all over, I'm just going to leave it all out on the court. And it's, it's, it's what I do. And so I, that's why I think that we've always worked so well together as well. And I know Greg and I, I mean, that's, that's what we put into this. We've, we poured right. a lot of love into everything that we do. And I think it shows and, and same Absolutely. for you. That's why you have that passion for the company. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing that just is just completely obvious in the work that you do, there's a lot of sacrifice, whether mm-hmm. it's time. Um, I imagine, you know, hobbies and experiences and other things you can do. So talk to me a little bit about um, how you've, how you've, I guess, grown to be okay with the things that you're giving up in your life. And then two, talk to me about how you do work-life balance or maybe work-life integration, because you still have a social life. You still do things that are fun. You still have things outside of the business. 
right. how do you put all that together with an extremely, uh, you know, a job that requires an extreme amount of time? Oh, man, I'm going to answer your question truthfully, uh, because I think it's important to show um, really the dichotomy of it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I do a very good job. I think I, you know, focus is both, um, you know, a blessing and a curse. Um, I operate from a place of flow. Okay. And whenever I get into the, into mode, and it's honestly easier and easier for me to achieve this, but I don't want to come out. And so it's really easy for me. Once I get going, man, I can look up and not have eaten for 12 hours and, you know, knocked off a hundred things on a thousand thing task list, you know, and it's like, but once I get that head of steam, I don't want to come out of it. So, you know, the problem is like, everything has to be sacrificed, health, uh, you know, eating fast food, con you know, I'm so convenience driven today. If it's not easy, man, it's tough. That's why I make a lot of smoothies and cause it's just, you know, five minutes and I'm in and out. Um, there's just, I, yeah, it's all sacrifice and I'm not very good at it. You know, the, the one thing that I've really made it a point, um, to try my best not to sacrifice is time with my son. Mm. Uh, because that's, it's really, really important to me that I didn't have a great childhood growing up. And, uh, you know, I live with my grandparents. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, my grandparents raised me. I lost my grandmother last year, almost a year ago, um, last month or a year ago, last month. But, uh, I didn't have like a, a great family system until I moved in with them. So I learned a lot about life, about learning what not to do or seeing what not to do or knowing what I didn't want to be. Um, and so it, it's really important to me to, to, to focus and to really connect with my son on his level and, and to talk to him about things that I you know, wasn't really exposed to and I kind of had to learn on my own. Uh, but every other part of my life is almost purely sacrificed. Um, and, and, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a social life, but my friends would argue with you, you know, that, that I, I, you know, I see them once every month, maybe. Um, and I do battle with it, guys. Like, I, I struggle with this a lot. And, you know, how I kind of think about it is like, well, and I know this is not right. So, you know, I know that your show is like, hey, let's talk about the things that you do that are good. Um, no, but, no, this is, this is perfect. Hey, it's got to be, yeah. hey, it's got to be candid, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I struggle with it big time. And, um, and, and I, I keep telling myself that, okay, you know, when you get out of this place of, um, you know, uncertainty uh, that, you know, uh, that you can then go explore those aspects of your life. But uh, so it's still very much a work in progress for me. It's all sacrifice. I sacrifice far too much uh, for what we're doing right now. Um, but I do think that the passion and, all of that will be worth it, you know, in, in the relatively near future. Yeah, and I, I really love that you shared that story, Jason, and that you're, you're honest and candid. And that's one of the things that people often ask Sammy and I, and they say, well, you know, tell us more about the pursuit of growth and kind of what you guys are doing. And, and we talk about how, you know, we believe that active progress, you know, focused in the right areas of life is really where we start bringing right. joy and purpose and those type of things about life. And, you know, we get the question often, well, what makes you different than anybody else that's, that's doing these type of things? And we say, well, you know, we can't tell you what everybody else is doing. And if right. they're doing good things to help people, we're excited about it. But I said, I think one thing that I probably noticed that we do differently is Sammy and I are blunt and honest that we don't have it all figured out. Right. And man, days are hard and we right. fail a lot. And there's a lot of times we don't know the answer, but what we fall back on is we 
believe in the principles and the system that we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to continue to right. learn. We're going to continue to help others and, and seek help from them too, and just continue to grow. And so what you just shared, I kind of got chills, man. It, it just, it, it goes right in line with our thinking. And, and I think it's a, it's a huge thing for our audience to listen to, because again, so many people just talk about, I want to have my own job. I want to have be my own boss, but it's a lot of work and it's a right. lot of commitment. And again, as, as things progress, maybe it opens up and you're able to, to, to have different seasons of life, but right, right. you're definitely in a season where that takes your, your, the majority of your time. So I, right. I love what you shared. Yeah, man. I, I am looking forward to kind of that flower blossoming. You know, I, I, I know I've missed a lot already. Um, and, you know, you mentioned like, uh, you know, you get on Facebook today and like you see like all these people doing these really cool things and taking these really cool trips minus COVID, you know, and all that jazz. Yeah. But um, I just don't get to do that yet, you know, and, and that's my thinking is like, okay, well, when I do get to turn that switch on, I'm going to get to do it at a very different place. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get to do exactly what I want to do. I'm going to get to take my son to London to a fabric house and like talk about design stuff like that. You know, I can spare the Mexico trip for now to take that trip later. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's actually one of the, one of the key takeaways that we had from one of our other um, uh, interviews on the show. And that was one of the key words. And, and I think this, this harkens back to the same thing that, that you just said is that, that word yet. You know, right. and, and that's the mindset, right? You're you're still you're in it, but you know it's coming. Like you know, right. you're putting forth the efforts. You, you're still dreaming. You're still right. anticipating. You're still working, but you're not just working just to work. And I think that's where some people kind of fall into that trap, at right. least that I've seen. Right? Some people could say I'm a hard worker and like hell. That look at me. I'm, I just grind away hours and hours and hours. That hustle mentality, which, which I I agree with certain aspects of a hustle mentality sure. but then there's some people that are just kind of spinning their wheels but they don't have that vision you know they don't have right. that that what's next so i'm right. glad that you mentioned that too because that is something that's that's really interesting to people that are you know the focus of what greg and i have been trying to find are the people that maybe they're stuck in that rut right maybe maybe they don't know what's next maybe they're not right. sure and and then sometimes people are just comfortable right they're they're like okay i'm, I'm here but you know, just kind of living. And then they have that moment when they look back and they're like, what have I been doing with my life? You know, so that's what, that's what the pursuit of growth is all about is right. we're looking at ways in which we can help people achieve or get from where they are to where they want to go. And just giving them some actionable items. Um, right. You know, inside the book, there's, there's actionable tips. It's just, it's literally, it's a mindset, it's a framework that you can write it down, set your goals and go. And a lot of people even asked us as we were sharing like the first drafts of the copy uh, of the book, they were, you know, they were like, this is too much. Like, how can you do all of this? Like, when do you have time for anything else? Mm -hmm. And it's all within a season. And I love that right. word that you use because it's like some days my personal relationships are shit. You know, some right. days like, you know, my, my professional life is terrible. But then other days, other things are operating high. So it's all within season. It's all about mindset. Right. You know, what's, what's interesting about that is um, I kind of started with the end in mind. Um, again, I kind of touched on my childhood, but, you know, growing up in an environment like that, um, you tend to fantasize a lot. And I, I thought a lot about who I wanted to be, you know, at 45 or 55 years old. And, you know, I continually built that person in my mind until I had a laser focus, like a crystal clear understanding of who that human was. And really more from like a, 
spiritual, um, you know, a giving back level, a, a human connectivity level. I didn't know what he did for a living. Now I do, because I think it's something in what I'm doing right now. And it makes so much sense. But I always had that vision in mind of who I wanted to be late in life or at that particular season in life. And I kind of reverse engineered that. And I was like, you know, at 18, if I'm making a tough decision, you know, I would think about if that person would do it this way or if they would do it that way, you know, and that really served as kind of uh, bumpers uh, for me to not get too far out of line, you know, and I, I mean, I have my fun, you know, but I kind of was always pretty clear on where I was headed. I love that. And, and one of the things that we talk about uh, in the book is, is I share part of my personal testimony of where I hit rock bottom in my life and the process and really one night where I kind of had my aha moment. And one of the steps that I did was sit down and just take a legal pad and write down all the things that I was upset about with my life. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, I wrote, who's the person that I, I really aspire to become? Who does he look like? What are his characteristics? Right. What are his traits? Okay, now what's the bridge to go from right. here where I feel like I am now to where I can be? And that was the genesis of what the pursuit of growth came to. So I love hearing that love story that, that as, as, a, as a child on a farm, you know, you're starting to think that way. Right. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, and that, you know, it's really served me really well. And to be honest, I still do it today. Now he's a little older today because you got to have that, you know, a little further out. I'm getting old and losing my hair, getting gray, but we're not looking at that. Um, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> far off. I'm not far off. Um, but I still utilize that today. I still visualize that that person today, and I and and it really, it keeps me humble, man. It it really does. It keeps me connected. It keeps me, you know, focused and driving towards uh, achieving that at some point. Yeah, it, it's you could just tell. Just I think it's by your nature, by the stuff that we've been talking about so far, by the way you were raised, by your work ethic, you know that that you're able to, to forecast and see that and put in the work. I mean, just spending time thinking about that, right. You know, that goes back to your work ethic. That goes back to your mindset and the way you're raised. That's, that's pretty amazing. How old were you when you, Thank you. when you moved to your, uh, moved in with your grandparents? Um, in and out, uh, okay. but, uh, officially moved in, I was probably 12. Okay. So yeah, real formidable years there. Yeah. Right. And get right. right to work. I, I did not have a, uh, um, a, a farmer's background, but I, I grew up kind of in the country. And I do know, I did work with some farmers and that is backbreaking work. I mean, oh man. Okay. Oh man. And listen, this, like growing up in a small town, for somebody to call you a hard worker is like, the best compliment that you can get. All right. Like I remember growing up as a kid and my grandparents and my parents would just be like, Oh, he's a hard worker. And I thought that that was like, that was it. You know, if I can achieve that, then I've done something special, you know, that or like a little phrase of he's got more money than God, you know, yeah. fi financial stuff is a big deal in small towns, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I just thought that that was like the, the one thing that I wanted attached with me is, is being a hard worker. You know, my first job out of college, I worked for the Williamson County Farm Service Agency. And so I grew up in a small town similar to Sammy, but it, it wasn't necessarily a, a farm. I mean, we had tons of farms around us, but I didn't grow up on a farm. Did a lot of ranch work and those type of things. And I'll never forget my first day on the job. Uh, the director came to me and said, Greg, I'm just going to tell you one truth. Next to ex-military, you will not work with a harder individual than a farmer. 
So yeah. be tough, be ready, be honest. And if you're bullshitting them, they're going to call you out and it's going to go very, very poorly for you. Yeah. And, uh, and that there was just, but it was, it was the other thing that I learned was, man, there wasn't a group of people that were just more just willing to do anything they could to help you. Right. If you needed help. Right. So the, it was just a really, really cool experience. Right. Um, I want to ask you a question going back to socks. I'm curious okay. about something I've been thinking. You said something earlier that made me think about this. I think it was with your design and just, just the passion you have for this. One thing that we know, particularly about women, and I'm told this as a guy, that when I walk into a room, the only thing that a girl's probably going to look at on me is my shoes. So I'm curious yeah. to ask you, when you walk into a room, are you checking out other people's socks? Interesting question. And for sure, all the time. And I get busted all the time too. <laughs> uh, it, but you know what? I'm doing it uh, just to, okay, I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. I'm doing it for inspiration uh, because I'm, I'm constantly looking for something that I think is cool or pretty or different colors. You know, again, I'm not a great designer yet, but I'm trying to figure it out. So that takes, that requires taking in a lot of data and just looking at things together and actively thinking about how I feel about it. You know, how does this make me feel? Do I like it? Do I not? Does it work with me? Does it not? And then I'm also looking at, hey, do they, should they be introduced to our sock, right? Do, are their socks up in place? And if they're not, they're, they're probably frustrated by it. So a lot of times I take that and then I put action behind it. I go and stand next to them at Starbucks and say, hey man, I, you know, I noticed that your socks are sliding out. Does that bother you? You know, and like that, dude, where that conversation goes is that I probably acquired a hundred new customers in Starbucks lines alone. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. I, I do. So I, I think that we, I've shared this with uh, some other people and I hope we didn't lose Greg. Is he frozen? No. Okay. He's there. No, I'm, yes. just, I'm just, I'm just taking it all <laughs> I, thought, I thought we had robot Greg there for a little bit. Um, no, one of the things that and I want to go back to that point because, um, I know one of my favorite parts of, uh, I'm a designer by degree, and, but I never took an art class. I took, well, I take that back, Six, sixth grade art class. Um, and that was it. And then in college, uh, I moved into the art department because I wanted to do um, advertising and, and graphic design, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But still, I still can't draw outside of cartoons. And so, I mean, if I try real hard, maybe I can get something, but yeah, I'm not very good. But it was some of my favorite meetings that we've had in the past, and I want to touch on this in, in two phases. The first will be about the ideation phase. The second phase will be moving into like kind of the partnership and philanthropic side of stuff that okay. you do with the company. But one of some of my favorite meetings was when you and I and, and Greg and some of our friends um, were concepting. It, right. I could see it because I've been in those creative meetings in like creativity class or in drawing class, whatever art class, like those ideas, those sparks were flying, right. man. Like you were just right. going and going and going and, and, and it, right. we were in the flow, you know, like, just like you said, like, I think we exactly. were eating lunch and we just slid our plates over and we're drawing yep. and we're looking at different things and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's important to me that like people realize that creativity is, is not only something that it, it's not something you're always born with, but it's something that you can learn and right. learn to be creative and take in those data points. And you've talked a lot about data. So what are some of the things that really inspire you? Like what, what gets you into that creative mode? I know you mentioned like other people's socks, but what are some of the other outside elements that you, that really gets your creative juices going? Man, that's, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I need music in my life. And, and even when I'm working on any other task, I have to have it. 
Um, so uh, that I've I've discovered that music is kind of a hack for me to get into mm-hmm. flow. And if I can if I can find the right song with the right amount of push, but also that's kind of mellow to just allow my brain to flow, um, that's the best scenario for me. And so. Um, a couple of things that kind of get me into that mode and then how you maintain that mode is, is another thing, right? Um, so uh, this is going to sound weird. Every time I shower, man, I have dry erase board in my shower. I have cray- um, uh, the, the Crayola markers that you can write on glass with because when you have that, you got to get it out, right? Yeah. Um, but like, so for me, inspiration is triggered by pretty much everything, man. I mean, I'm in a room with plants. You can see them. I, yeah. That inspires me. Our whole line of socks in 2019, fall 2019, we made a whole line of socks designed around plants and, and a bunch of these leaves in there in my room inspired me. And so, you know, where you see that and where you, I wish that I could tell you how to manufacture it. You just, I don't know. But I will tell you that like, if you're open to it and uh, if you're not bogged down and stressed out, you know, then it tends to, the spark tends to happen a lot for me personally. But whenever we're, you know, financially strapped or I'm personally strapped, the spark almost never happens. So it, for me, it's like a, it's a battle to kind of create a bubble around myself to keep the negative out so I can stay in that, in that inspired state. Um, I hope I answered your question. I don't know if I gave you specific examples because there's really not any. I, I'm inspired by music, by plants, by people. You've inspired me. You know, like um, it's it's all over. It's I think it's perception. I think it's how you view the world. Yeah, I get I get a charge out of like just sitting in a room and just talking to people. That's why I love doing this show. That's why I like you right. know meeting other people, and I, that's where I really get a lot of inspiration because I love to process the way other people think, you know, and and I think that if people spend time doing that with, with mentors or just even like friends over coffee or a drink or something like that. And you, I love to learn how other people learn or think, you know, it it really gets me going, especially when you can bounce and ping pong ideas off each other, man, that just gets fun. You know, that's that's where life is for me. Right. Right. Um, and, and so the second part of that, I mentioned, like, we, we were going to talk a little bit about that creativity. And, and But back, I think this is probably when we met each other for the first time was we you wanted to do a collaborative mm-hmm. um, design with Vogel Alcove, which Greg still works there um, right. with Vogel Alcove. And I work, uh, I used to work with them. But that was one of the coolest things is you is like developing this partnership and just your idea, your philanthropic want to give back your interest right. in the stories of the kids and the, and the organization. What fostered that, that kind of passion for also connecting to, to causes? Cause I know you did it with other companies as well. Right. Um, I don't know what fostered it, but it's always been there. Uh, my, you know, I, I'm, I think about what's good for the group over what's good for myself. And, you know, I've been pretty fortunate as an adult um, to, to make some good moves and to outwork people and, you know, build a nice life for myself. And, you know, why not want to give back to people that are a little less fortunate to you, you know, and specifically on this one, uh, the Vogel Alcove collab, it, I was captivated from the moment that I walked in the doors down there, man, it was just a cool experience. And then meeting both of you two. And then, you know, once I had a little bit more context of actually what was happening there, um, I immediately knew that I wanted to use, use what we do, you know, which is make a great pair of socks 
to, you know, to support that mission. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know that there was a moment, but like, I, it's just always been there. I've just always, you know, kind of had that mentality of how can I give back or how can I help? And, you know, how can I utilize my reach or my exposure or, you know, endorse something that, that is going to make somebody's life a little better. Um, we've got big plans for that part of our business, man. I mean, really, really big plans and we're not quite there yet, but, um, but what I want Dead Soxie to be in the future is really well aligned and, and thought of in the Tom's type of type of vein, you know, like that's who we are. We, we, we're a social calls company. We're going to do it a little differently than Tom's because, you know, we don't want to copycat, but, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, man, I, I think that's always been a big part of my why. Love it. And, you know, I, I like what you said earlier too, about your inspiration. You said it's really everywhere. And right. I think that's so true. And I think when we open ourselves up to literally seek it and accept it, because right. it really is all around us in so many things if we have the right perspective. And right. then, you know, of course, you mentioned music several times. We've, we, you've mentioned music actually probably four, six, four or five times during uh, our conversation right. today. So tell me a little bit about what music is to you. What type of music do you enjoy? Um, and then specifically, when you're kind of getting in that flow state, is there a certain style mm -hmm. or type of music that gets you there? You know, <clears throat> I ask this question uh, a lot to people because I'm intrigued by their answer. And I, will, I won't give you the answer that most people give. It's like, oh, well, I like all kinds of music, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna give you some real meat on this one because I, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it. Um, so a couple of different verticals that I spend a pretty significant amount of time in, um, indie, rock. So, and I'm also, let me, just, let me just state this. Okay, I am not your top 40s type. I don't, I, if it's not new, if I've heard it for a while, I probably won't go back to it. Uh, and that's just really baked into everything that I am excited about. I, I like new, okay? I believe, I love, you know, there's a place in the world for traditional. Um, but even with our sock, you know, that's a, a battle that we fight all the time. I believe that something that is invented today is likely better than something that was invented in 1890, you know? Um, okay, so music. I spend a lot of time in like indie, um, kind of offbeat indie rock. So think like an Austin dive bar or something like that. Um, yeah. That's not what I listen to for inspiration, but that's more of kind of playtime. Yeah. Um, but I also love electronic music. Like um, whenever, whenever I think of myself as a music musician, it was always a beat maker. I don't need and I know this is weird and I'm not, you know, nothing negative to the, to people that like words in their music, but I don't need words to tell me how to feel, you know, uh, a, a collection of sounds with a rhythm, I'm going to feel something. And if I don't, you're getting skipped, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if I do, I'm constantly listening to new music and I'm building a playlist um, literally while I work almost every day. Uh, and I have, you know, I'm so structured in my music taste too, guys. You would love my Spotify <laughs> playlist. Okay, I've got we need, 2000. We need to share. Yeah, sure. Okay, I will for sure. Okay, let me tell you my structure because it's like I, I geek out about it for real. All right, so I have uh, like five playlists I create every single year, and I, I just know that this is where I'm strong, right? So you have like deep house and indie electronic and some other ones and you, you just constantly amass new music because I'm only listening to new music unless I'm trying to accomplish something or focus uh, it's really about discovery for me this is how passionate I am this is why I thought I was going to be a musician I'm just like oh I love it I love it I can do this and then you can't or I couldn't uh, uh, okay so I have five playlists for every single year I have them dating back to all to 2016 and then basically what I do is I fill in those playlists throughout the year 
And then I move to the next year. So 17 and then 18 and then 19 and then 20. That's so but cool. then, and then what I do is I pull off my favorite songs from those years and I put them on a master playlist. So I know every time I turn it on, it's a jam. All right. Yeah. So like. <laughs> That's so smart. That's awesome. <laughs> it's great, man. I'm telling you. You know, I never listened to electronic music and you can, you can, Sammy can vouch me on this. Um, if you were to ask me to like rank all the different styles of music I like, and like you said earlier, I like everything, right? right and there's right. different times I, I'm, I'm drawn to certain things and I'm like you where I'm more into the non-top 40 um, right. than I am to pop radio. And I guess it was probably going back about four or five years ago, Sammy and I um, met and got to know Mixmaster Mike from the Beastie Boys. Okay, and, very cool. Uh, and so he's a Super DJ. Cool. And, and he's not quite your, your house, you know, guy, no. but I mean, it's just, it, there's it's no beats, words, though. it's scratching right. and it's beats sure. and it's, it's, he's, to watch him, you're seeing art in motion right. that is like nothing you've ever seen. It's incredible. And so he invited us to come to his shows and by come to his show, he's like, yeah, y'all can just come and hang out on stage with me and just kind of hang out <laughs> over here. And we're like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, this is like yeah, legendary, like greatest DJ of all time. And here's Sammy and I are like on stage with him type deal. I love it but I got this appreciation for it. And then I started listening to house music and all these okay. deep cuts and all these different things. If you walk into my office at Vogel Alcove today, it sounds like you're walking into Club Vogel because I literally <laughs> I <love> have <laughs> that on in the background because like you, it helps me to focus. Right. It man. helps me to, it just puts me in kind of a, a comfortable state and I absolutely love it. And I, I'll do jazz too and I'll do classical, right. but I tend to go back to like the electronic music now. And, and you know, I think right. there was a time like I said, Sammy probably would have been like, Greg will never listen to that. Like he'll never right. go to a club like that or be going around that music. And man, right. I love it now. Man, it just, it's something, and it's interesting that you mentioned jazz because I think, I think jazz is a great comparison to electronic music because mm -hmm. it's really a lot of it is ad-libbed and you know mm -hmm. jazz it's it's what you're feeling right now in the jam and of course there's a riff and you're staying on on motion but if somebody steps out that's cool and that's accepted and like we're all vibing to it and you get the same thing from electronic music it's just a slightly different kind of underground version of jazz so I, i'm glad you i'm also a huge fan of jazz um and what I like about electronic music is exactly what you said. It occupies some part of my brain that is like worrying and trying to project and measure things all the time. And just, I just got a lot of weird stuff. I have trouble sleeping and like uh, my brain's just very active. It just goes very, really fast. And when I put that on, it's like, whew, it's over here and it's focused mm -hmm. on this and I'm just able to really be creative. So it, it like, um, it's a really big tool for me, man. And I don't know if you, I didn't get into this, but Clarksdale, where I grew up in Mississippi, is the home of blues music, all right? So like, okay. when I think about like my evolution of music and like where that kind of came from, you know, really nobody in my family is super into music, but it was like ingrained in me as a kid. Like, this is cool, like jam to this. And they have all these festivals in the town and I just always felt moved by music and just kind of have brought that with me. Yeah, and you mentioned the blues. I love how, uh, you know, as you learn more about just rock and roll music, you know, the majority of it came from the blues and it was right. based in, in the blues. And you look at a lot of the artists that are that are extremely popular now, whether it's your Jack Whites or, right. um, you know, your, uh, your Black Keys, and they'll tell you all of their influences came from basically where you grew up. Right, you know? right. And I think that's a really cool thing because a lot of people, the Rolling Stones, for instance, the Rolling Stones, right are basically a blues band that just put a little bit of spin on it to kind of get their sound. 
and they all talk about going back to like Buddy Guy and right. you know Bo Diddley and all those old school blues guys that came from literally the Deep South, right? Which is the last place you think there would be this musical explosion, but it's just such a creative, amazing place. So that's, oh, that's really cool to hear you Let's, say that. Let, let, let me tell you, man, I'm going to butcher this and I'm not going to do it justice, but there are so many unbelievable artists from my town. Uh, Sam Cooke is from my town. I don't know if you guys know Sam no Cooke. No kidding. I did not. So he's uh, one of my all-time favorite you know, Oh, dude, me too. All time. Yeah. Me, me too. I mean, that, that guy is unbelievably talented. Robert Johnson, uh, six, the crossroads are in my hometown where he sold his soul to the devil and right. the whole nine. Which just um, watched that on Netflix, by the way. This great show, yeah, it's great. That's cool. So that's that was shot right outside of our farm in Mississippi. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who else? Uh, Nate Dog from Nate Dog and Warren G. Back in the day, regulators. I don't yeah, know if you guys are remember you that. Are you regulating in Mississippi <laughs> out on the farm? <laughs> there was a time. There was a time. Oh, and and also Rick Ross. I mean, like probably arguably the you know top five biggest artists out right now. Rick Ross yeah. is from from Clarksdale. Yeah, man. Wow. So there's a lot of talent. It's like and deep. now the and now the founder and CEO of Dead Soxy. That's right. I'm gonna be up there one day. That's yeah. Beat maker extraordinaire, right? <laughs> Oh, there we go. Amazing. Yeah, man. See, I'm from a small town as well. And I think that's the thing that we all three have in common is like, well, outside of a lot of other things, but that small town life. Yeah. Music seems to just play that important piece in, in my right. life too. What's interesting because I, I'm just now, I, I remember I liked what they called techno back in the day, okay. like in, in high yeah. school. Like I really like, I, what was it? Like ATB was like one, but it got real pop. Uh, yeah, man. Stuff. But like there was a bunch of them, but now there's like this whole new genre of electronic music that some of my friends keep up with. And they like right. I, just the other night, I needed to focus. I needed to write. I was I was needing to 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 do, to really get in that flow, like you talked about. Right. I texted my buddy. I was like, "Give me some electronic artists. Like I need something now." And because if I if I'm listening to the words and I know the words, right, then I can't you'll sing write. along with it. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm stuck. Right. And so right. I need, I need that house. I need that oh, piece or whatever. And then, yeah, you're right. But then when, if I just need supercharged, it's like, give me that, that old school metal. Like I grew up on some old yeah. metal, like just give me rock and roll and stuff. So it is, it's funny how it's just like, it can totally change your entire right. mindset. And then there's something that happens to me with coffee and like those oh, coffee man. shop tunes, you know, just like that background <laughs> sound. Yeah. Or creativity. We talked about that earlier, but creative juices just get flowing if, if I've got right. a little thing of coffee with me too. Oh man, speaking of coffee, uh, that, that's a major vice in my life right me now. Too. I drink a lot of coffee. I do too. Because I like everything in my, I'm, I'm like peak performance, you know, and I can feel it after one cup. I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, it's going to be a great day, but then I will stop there. You know, and then I have another, and then two hours later I have another, and then may have a pot a day. So, yeah, so I was going to say, how many cups do you think on an average day you go through? And, and when do you, when do you stop uh, drinking? Um, I make an afternoon pot of coffee around three after drinking the previous pot all to myself. <laughs> uh, about half the week. Uh, so a lot, I, I probably have, pff, this is going to sound so bad. I don't even want to say it, but 12 <laughs> cups, probably 15 so, sometimes. I have to tell you like those, those little lines on those coffee pot. I don't know what those lines are for. I just make the <laughs> full thing. 
and I drink uh -huh. as much as I can, and then I make the <laughs> full thing and I just drink it. Yeah. I used to I used to get frustrated again. Everything in my life is convenience driven, so I'd get so frustrated getting the little cups. All right, and then you have to go back, and I'm like, okay, two drinks. This is gone. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This can't be an actual cup. Right. So I went and bought a cup. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like I can fit half of a pot, and I feel so much better about it. So I have to only have to get up twice. I trick myself to thinking, hey, it's only the second cup. You know, right. It's really second pot. So, so for me, it's got to be hot, right? <laughs> so that, that's what keeps me going back and trying to like, so I, I like a smaller cup so I can finish it, go back and get a, like a, you know, a, a, a hotter version. Interesting. What, what type of coffee do you drink? Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of the original blend of Duck and Donuts. And I actually buy uh, three of the big jugs at a time. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I don't drink any other coffee. It's, uh, I mean, I will if I go somewhere because I need it and I love it. Right. But, uh, but that has the best taste and it has the, the strongest impact on me and I can just keep going on it. You know, there's a lot of people that agree with you. And uh, <laughs> my, my dad, when I was a little kid, we would either go to Shipley's or we'd go to Dunkin'. Uh -huh. And the times I always thought Shipley's donuts were the best. Yeah. But we would often go to Dunkin' because hands down, according to my dad, Dunkin's had the best coffee. Yeah. So he yeah, would agree with sure. you. Yeah, that's funny. 12 that's cups, a... brother. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Flying high. Oh, man. Well, I wanted to touch on something before before we start to uh, maybe transition to some other topics and some other questions kind of stuff. But this is this is what I struggle with as a as a budding entrepreneur, right? As as someone who I dabble in a lot of things. And Greg and I formed right. this company together and, and we're rocking and rolling. I, I, we feel good. We, we're putting in the work. We, we know we're grinding. But I asked this to other entrepreneurs too, is when do you know or when do you decide to start paying yourself? You know, like what, because for me, and this is just my stance on things, like I've always like anything we've made, granted, you know, doing another job, not always, but anything I've ever made from my kind of side hustles or side gigs or whatever, I've always just kind of put back into the business, right? I've never reaped right. out the rewards or, or taken any money out unless it was something small, like we had a lunch or something like that. Right. But when do you know when it's that time? Like, how did you figure that out? Mm. Um, when everybody else was fed well, mm. um, you know, I, I read a book uh, when I first started this company, it's called leaders eat last. Yeah. And it, it made a really, really big impact on me. That's Simon uh, Sinek? Yes, it is. Okay. I'm, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. Yeah, uh, me I, too. Quote him, I quote him some. And um, I, uh, I, I love how connected he is, but how real it is and how practical, um, you know, his teachings are. I've, I've read a bunch of his stuff. But um, so my thinking is like, if people are compensated fairly for their skills and their time that they're putting in, at that point, I can consider paying myself. You know, and then it's like, honestly, man, it was years before we got to that point. And I'm not paying myself very much right now. You know, certainly not what I was making with the consulting firm. I'm not even close. Uh, but so we're still working up to it. Uh, but I think, you know, you have to pay yourself enough uh, to where you're not in survival mode and to where you can allow yourself to think and to be creative and to focus on solving problems and not worry about the bills and things like that. Um, or personal bills and things like that. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a two pronged approach. You got to look at your team. You got to make sure everybody on the team is you know well fed and and satiated and and feeling rewarded for their efforts that they're putting in. Um, and then you're not putting the company kind of in financial jeopardy. You know, and I think if you look at both of those 
things and like there's still a little money left and your investors are cool with, uh, you know, a distribution to the CEO based on performance, then you pull that trigger. Nice. That's a yeah. great, I, I love asking that question to other entrepreneurs, the you know, people that are the sole entrepreneur, you know, like they own their own company or they're running their own business. And then, you know, when is it, when did they decide to take that leap? And, and you hear various answers, but they're pretty much derived from that same very right. similar mindset, you know, like make sure everything is taken care of. Right. Then you can have a little bit for yourself. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I love it. You said, you know, taking care of other people. Yeah. And, and really putting that focus first. I, I think that's that's huge. That resonated with me. And and, right. uh, and it goes along with everything that Sammy and I both believe in as well. For sure. So uh, so kudos for that. Thanks. So, man. Jason, as we start to wrap up, um, we like to ask every guest we have on the show three questions. Oh, boy. So Here we, we go. Got, We've got three questions for you, and uh, they're subjective, so there's no yeah. right or wrong answers. Okay. And then afterwards, Sammy and I are going to talk a little bit about our big takeaways that we've got from uh, um, from this conversation. Great. And again, I've got over a page of, mm -hmm. of notes that I've taken from what you've talked about, and I've starred so many things on here that, that inspire me and that, that I love. <laughs> but we'll get to that here shortly. But the first question Great, man. is, you know, during your life, what has been one of your favorite actions, methods, or maybe lessons that you've learned and applied in terms of self-development and growth? Oh, man. Wow. Okay. This would be the, one of those questions maybe you should have sent me so I could prepare something good, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I mentioned my grandmother earlier, um, and man, she was such a huge influence in my life, and one of the major takeaways that I, I learned from her. It was gradual, right? It wasn't like this thing that she said once that stuck with me, but it was me watching her actions and, uh, and, and understanding who she is at her core and then admiring that and kind of wanting to bring some of that into my life. Um, and, and her approach was always, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to love somebody first. It's okay to put yourself out there. You know, yeah, it's, gonna suck if you don't get the result that you're hoping for you know right. but if you lead with that um you tend to have a lot more genuine connection and a lot more genuine interaction and conversation and you know who knows if that if you're going to ever get the result that you wanted or you know the girlfriend or whatever you're, you're doing you know but you're living in authenticity and that's incredibly valuable um so that that's a that's a major takeaway that I, I realized at some point in college after I moved out of my grandparents' home and I was kind of on my own and I lost that a little bit. And I spent some time thinking about, uh, you know, what it is that was different. And I had developed this edge where I, you know, was being a person that the world molded me into versus kind of leading with my heart and, uh, and not being afraid to share how I really felt about something. So um, once I kind of became aware of that, I, made it intentionally, you know, pulled that back into the fold. And I live my life every day, you know, with that kind of uh, approach, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you, hopefully you guys felt it, you know, but like, I'm just open, I'm connected. And like, when we meet, I try to really connect. I'm not one to talk about the weather and shit like that. That just doesn't interest me. I'm like really interested in who you are as a person and, and connecting at a deeper level. So yeah, hopefully that's good enough. But yeah, no, I, I think it shows play, like absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Thanks, one, one of the other questions um, that we always like to ask is 
Can you share some advice that has stuck with you over the years? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, my grandpa, my, again, it was learned by watching actions of the most two, the two most influential people in my life, you know, uh, and growing up on the farm, there was this kind of known rule that you don't put off to tomorrow something that you should and could do today, because what's going to happen is tomorrow's going to come and you're going to have to do both of those things, you know, and, and that has always stuck with me. And like, even in my, you know, works, work world today, it's like, they will all tell you if it comes up in a meeting, it's going to get done immediately if I have time. Right. And like, I struggle with that sometimes, but just being action oriented and focusing on solutions and not trying to push things off that you should do today. I, I, that's, words to live by for sure. I love that. that that's awesome. I gave me goosebumps. So Jason, this is a tricky question. Uh oh. So what advice would you give to yourself, not 10 years ago, but 10 years from now? In the so future? Could, in the future. So if you had a chance oh, to God. talk to your future self, what would you tell him today? Hmm. Uh, um. I think it deserves some context. I have big as aspirations for myself, okay? And I don't just mean financially, but certainly financially is part of it. Um, you know, part of my wanting to get into design and so focused on success and, and, and you know, all of the things that come along with that, it's not really the fact that I want $100 million. That is my goal, but it's about increasing my platform to connect with people in a, in a better way and, and to, to share my thinking and my thoughts because I, I realize like, I think we're all unique, right? I think your journey is unique and, and Sammy's journey is unique and my journey is unique because all of our experiences have given us a slightly different perception of the same problem. We just view it slightly differently. Uh, and I, I like the way I view things that I wish that more people viewed things the way that I do and like we're more vulnerable and I, I think, you know, I, it's still a work in progress, you know, but, but my goal is like to increase my platform and spread the message of love first and, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to be creative and all of these things. And so the advice would be to stay humble and to not let that go to my head because, you know, if I do hit uh, or even get close to where my, my goals are, and I, and I really do think I will, then that could, that could not go well, you know, and it, it, I could let that go to my head. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, advice would be to, to stay humble and to give back and to remember what got you going on this direction in the, in the first place, and that's the world, to make the world a better place, you know. Well, Jason, the great thing is we've got this recorded now. So if in 10 years, you're a great big asshole, we're going to play this back for you. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully I won't need that reminder, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. You have my permission to do that. All right. <laughs> well, well, this, this is the point where, uh, where Sammy and I share, uh, and this is a hard thing to do is. is to share our top three takeaways, um, from the conversation. Uh, Sammy, do you, you want to go first or you want me to take off? I'm so yeah. interested in this, by the way. <laughs> so let's let's ping pong it because I know there's certain times where I'll say stuff and Greg and I have some 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 we think the same way. So right, uh, I'll ping pong with you, Greg. I think one thing okay. that really stood out with me, and I've got my notebook here, um, is 
it's something that we didn't touch on too much. So in, in round two, when we do this again and have you back on the show, I want to dig in a little bit more about your analytical mind because I've seen it in action. Like you and I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a data nerd too. And so like you and I have gone back and forth, forth with some nerdy com conversations, um, but it's, it's about getting the data for your thoughts. And, right. uh, and, and I love that because you said like, everyone told you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But then you said, well, but the data shows like I, I, right. I sourced my data. So you found it, you collected it and you got your sources. So I think that, that it's a calculated leap, right? right? And, right. and I think that's what some people that are maybe on the fence, maybe they're wait, looking to make that move to be an entrepreneur or CEO, or right. maybe they're looking for that next career, whatever that may be. But think about the way to go collect some data and then, right. and see if it validates your points. So right. that was, that was one of my big takeaways. I love that. When you talked about survival mode and you said, when you're in survival mode, you can't be creative and man, you are a hundred percent right. And when you're in survival mode, there's a lot of things you can't be. Right. And it just, it, it got me thinking on multiple levels, you know, at Vogel Alcove, again, we serve children and families that are homeless. Right. They're in survival mode. And it's so hard and it's such a long process to be able to get them to where they need to be to get out of that. And it, my takeaway was, you know, for so many of us, we put ourselves in survival mo mode by the, the decisions that we make. And because we're not always planning out and, and identifying what are the right ways to go about living our lives. So my takeaway is recognize how to get out of survival mode so that you can then start opening up all these other opportunities and kind of goes, I'm piggyback a little bit, inspiration's everywhere, but you don't see it when you're in survival mode. So man, that was a big takeaway for me. Man, that's great stuff. Yeah, it, it's different when you hear it come back to you, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would add a lot to it other than, man, that was a major driver for wanting to do the whole Vogel thing. Like imagine as a kid growing up in that environment, right? And it's like, every struggle that can possibly be on you in the world is on you. All of that weight is on you, even though you're a kid and you don't recognize it, the situation for maybe what it actually is in the big scheme, you still feel the pressure of your parents and all of the pressure that they feel. And like just working through that and connecting with that mindset and then thinking, how cool would it be for a kid in that scenario to draw something on a piece of paper and then to wear it a few weeks later? That could be, it might be nothing, but it could be transitional and monumental in their life. And just having that opportunity, I couldn't pass it up. So yeah, yeah. man, I, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have to touch on that on that collaboration uh, as well. What, um, so, and that, Greg, I'll say my two and then I'll give you your, your last two here is um, okay. outwork and passion. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's like, if if you've got passion for what you're doing, and this is what uh, Greg and I talk about in the book, is like you give passion to what you do as well. It's like, don't wait to just have passion, but give passion to what you're doing. And I think it goes back to that outworking. It's like, have that mind, that mindset. I will outwork them. I will do more than what is expected of me. And I will do more than that other person if that's what it takes because you want to get the job done. And then to piggyback, or to uh, my last one here is that I, I like this, and this is something that I started doing more recently than not, is spending time thinking about who you wanted to be in life. Mm. Um, and that you did that at a young age, which is, I, I can already see it and hear from your stories, like that's been such a transformational part of your life, 
but for me, it's like, I have to remind myself to do that, you know, cause I can, I can get buried. Like you talk about that focus, but I mean, prime example, last night, Greg and I were working late on some things and uh, I laid in bed and I was, I was just like the weight of the world, like lots of things going on. Right. So I just right. said, I was, let me just think about this. What's tomorrow going to be like? And I just spent, I mean, maybe three minutes before I fell asleep. And I just thought about that. So I love the fact that you've done that. And that's what I want people to, to take away from this as well is make some time for that. Spend some time right. thinking about it. Man, just to add a little context to that, if, if you don't have a goal or if you don't have a, a good idea, and I don't just mean like a foggy, vague, well, I'm going to walk in this direction and hope I make 100K or whatever. Like the clearer you can be with that, and I mean crystal clear, spend time thinking about it. Like the more focused you are on that, man, the higher probability that you're going to get somewhere close, you know, and if you're, if you're foggy, how do you even know that you're on the right path? If you don't think about it, that's the worst possible thing, because then you're like just floating through and, you know, a whimsical, somebody that you meet on the street could change the course. And that's fine too, you know, but like, you're just not being intentional and directional and walking in a direction. So therefore you never really know if you get there or not, you know, that's, you basically just summarized our book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I bought it today. Did you guys see? Yeah, I saw that, man. Thank you so cool. much. And I can't course, wait to hear, your, hear your thoughts and feedback. One of the things we talk about is yeah. in so many areas, you know, when you really spend time to put together the right plan, it's right. hard to get lost on a straight road. Dude, exactly. You know? That's perfect. And so, yeah. And that's, that's the key. Um, my last two, it, you know, one Sammy mentioned, man, it, it goes to your work ethic. And I love the quote you said during the beginning of our conversation that I think you picked up from your grandparents, rub some dirt on it, get your ass back to work. Uh -huh. And, you know, for, for me, this conversation was so much about just what does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? And through this, it made me realize how much work you put into it. But then I could just see your excitement and you can just right. see your face light up when you talk about your work and what you do. And whether it was music or it was dead soxy, you could just see That's the cool. same excitement come. And uh, man, 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 I love it. And then my final takeaway was the admiration that you had for your grandmother and grandfather. And you talked about you were watching them. And, and that, that's where you learned humility and vulnerability and, and, and your work ethic and all these different things. And my takeaway is it made me realize who are the people in my life that may be watching me? Mm. And how does that get inspire me to continue to be the person that I believe I'm capable of becoming? Because right. there may be people that I'm helping to mold and being able to do that because there's certainly been people that I did the same thing with watching how they acted, watching how they behaved. So that really hit me hard um, when you yeah, said yeah. that. And uh, man, again, I could probably talk for another 45 minutes about other takeaways, but those are the ones that I start as my, uh, my top three. Nice, man. Um, yeah. I, those are words to live by, man. I think, I think there's always people watching and I know, you know, for Sammy and I, you know, it's certainly our kids are watching and those are young minds that we're literally responsible for molding, you know, but even outside of that, man, I know for sure, Greg, I watch you and I know the kids watch you and I know your team watches you, you know, so I, I think that, you know, don't make the moves because you think people are watching you, but if they're authentic, man, it's going to come yeah. off and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to see that in action. And, you know, you may never hear about it. I'm sappy. And like, I tell people, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I saw you do that. And like, that made a big impact on me, even if it's 10 years ago. And if there's an opportunity, I try to tell them, but even though people may not tell you they're watching, man, and, and you do have an impact for sure. And yeah. you've, you've, I've watched you and you operate in, in the right mode all the time. 
uh, you know, selfless and team first and all of those things that we've already talked about. I mean, that's, you know, um, I, I think you, I think you, you're walking a good path. I think all three of us are walking a good path. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, Jason, yeah. man, it's, I, I, I tell you, we could be on this call forever. I, I know it yeah. can, and, and I know your time is valuable. So one, number one, we appreciate you being able to be flexible with our timing and our, and our um, scheduling and all that to, to be on here. Cause it's been a joy. And I don't want this to be the, the only time I want this to right. be the first time. Um, but one thing we want to do is, is let you have your little bit of promotional space, you know, tell us, tell us where people can find you online. Tell us where you want. Do you have anything coming out? Like, like do your little commercial, mm -hmm. let us know. Right. Okay. Um, cool. So I'm a little sock brand called dead Soxy. Uh, we make premium socks designed to stay in place on your leg and your foot. Um, and it doesn't sound like a big obstacle, but it, a, a, a big problem. But if you, if your if your no shows have ever peeled off your heel, then you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, if you put our dress sock on and it stays in place for the first time, you'll immediately become aware and how crappy your experience was before this. Um, you can buy them at our website, deadsoxy.com. We've got a money back guarantee. If you don't love them, we'll just give you your money back or give you another pair if something happens. Um, it's literally no risk. Hell, I'll even ship you a pair. You know, it just to just to get you to try them. We give away about 10% of our inventory. Um, my own personal Instagram is Jason D Simmons. Um, and I'm at Jason D Simmons on pretty much everything. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm not great at the sales pitch, but what, what we are good at is leading with the product. And once you wear a pair of our socks, you will totally get it and uh, likely throw away everything else and stick with ours. Well, I'll tell you what, I agree as a dead Soxy uh, customer, um, everything you said, I 100% back. And I'm telling everybody, go to deadsoxy.com and get a pair of socks. And like Jason said, it's game over. It really is. Yeah. It's game over. The, the no-shows, the no-shows were something that I don't wear a lot, like with dress shoes, but I know that's kind right. of a trend. That was kind of a thing going on for a while. Right. We've been at home most of the time, so I'm not really wearing, I'm not wearing <laughs> socks right now, right? But uh, right. I will tell you this much. I'm going back in. I'm ordering more because my wife has stolen them all. She loves them. Those are her favorite socks. <laughs> Man, I hear that so <laughs> often. I hear that so often. Um I'll just send you some, brother. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, I'll let Greg do our little commercial and we'll wrap this thing up tonight. Yeah. Cool. So again, Jason, man, thank you. This was so much fun. And, and we're not asking you, we're telling you, you have to come on again. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll be in touch um, to, to get that schedule with you. Um, but for our audience, go and check out our website, www.livetpg.com. You can find this episode and every other episode that we've recorded with fascinating guests from all uh, walks of life um, that Sammy and I have gotten to know and, and really be able to learn and, and grow along with. You can also go to our blog, One Minute Matters, which we release every single week. You can purchase a copy of the book, The Pursuit of Growth, and you can connect with Sammy and I on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. But until then, man, you guys, this was awesome. Keep rocking, keep jamming, and, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right.